thanks, guys. It is, it's fun to come and see uh, just friends, churches, and, and where they're serving and laboring. And unfortunately, I haven't known Tommy long enough to have the embarrassing stories. I just have the good ones. Um, so, Tommy, you're off the hook. I've, I have nothing uh, to share that would embarrass you. But I uh, love Tommy, love Precious, love their family, and by virtue, love you guys. You have a, a wonderful pastor. Uh, as Tommy said, I'm the uh, college director at University Reform Church. I get to work with college students, a job that I love uh, just because of, of the stage of life that college students are in. They are coming to school, sort of becoming, entering into adulthood, thinking, what does it mean uh, to, to live my life? They're asking big questions, and we get to be there with them, helping them to answer those questions, bring the gospel to bear on that. So we love it. Uh, one of the other things that I love about working with college students is that it keeps me relevant. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't get pop culture. Um, I, I'm not a, a hip person. So, so the college students help me know uh, what's going on, which is, is kind of fun. Uh, some of you here, uh, you like pop culture. You like movies and music. And um, you, know, you get more excited about the Academy Awards than the Super Bowl. And I am the exact opposite. I, have seen maybe one of the movies that were up for Best Picture this year. Uh, and, and I think it started when I started having kids that now what I listen to in the car is Veggie Tales and Slugs and Bugs. Um, so you don't quite have the same interests as the rest of the culture. But um, I'll give you an example, one more example of uh, just how not with it I am. Uh, a few months ago, uh, any of you guys aware of the Met Gala? Anybody know what that is? I didn't know what it was. Uh, but I, you know, students are talking about it. Oh, look at everybody's wearing. And I thought, must be another award show, right? Uh, no, the, the Met Gala, for those of you who don't know, is like the party of the year uh, where celebrities from all around the world come to New York and uh, they dress in the most outrageous outfits they can find. Uh, and it's actually a fundraiser for the New York Metropolitan Art Museum. Go figure. Um, I had no clue what it was. Uh, but as I start to think, it's striking to me as I'm seeing it that you have all of these celebrities uh, coming down the red carpet and, and it's all about what are they wearing, who's here, and, and there's all of this sort of pomp and circumstance for something that's meant to be a fundraiser. That uh, it, in some ways it seems like the event is more about the people who are coming and what they're wearing and who they're with than it is about the museum and about what they're actually raising money for and about the good that they're doing. And, and if you think about it, uh, th this isn't an issue that is relegated to, to A-lister celebrities, but I think it's actually symptomatic of the culture we live in and symptomatic of ourselves that we tend to broadcast ourselves for, for the world to see, especially when it comes to the good that we're doing. And when it comes to, to all of the, the noble acts that we do, we love to, to share that with the world, especially in, in the social media age. It's almost like there's a stream of consciousness from what good have I done to, to my social media profiles for the world to see how great I am. And I think this is, again, indicative of, of all this. This isn't to blast social media or, or who should have Facebook and, and what you should post on it. That's, that's not our, our question today. Um, but rather, I want to ask the question today, why do we do that? 
why do we put ourselves out there and broadcast all of our good deeds for the world to see? And then what does the Bible have to say about that practice? Uh, and again, I don't in mind just social media. Um, that's not what this is about. Uh, social media is simply an avenue that we express that, but we do this in, in a number of ways, and we're going to look at those ways later. But again, to, just to, to clarify, the, the question for this morning is what is the state of your heart in your public displays of religious practice? We, we could clarify and, and draw it to a point. The question from this text is what is the state of your heart and your public displays of religious practice. That's the main question that this text is asking for us today. Because the reality is our, our religious lives are not, strictly speaking, private. It's not you in a corner with God somewhere, but, but by virtue of being a body and a, a corporate people, we practice our faith together, out in the open, for people to see. And so it's inevitable that as you do that, as, as you follow the Lord, that you're going to do it in view of others. So the question is, what is the state of your heart, and why do you do what you do as you're in view of others? Because this is assumed that, that people are going to see your life. right? Jesus, in, in the previous chapter, chapter 5, he tells his, his disciples and his hearers, you are the light of the world. He says, let your light shine before others so they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So even Jesus is telling us, you will practice your faith for others to see. P people will see the way you behave, the way you act, the way you talk. And, and they'll see it. And so, so he's not saying that you've got to hide in a closet somewhere. But the question is, what is the state of your heart in your public displays of religious practice? And in verse 1 of this chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus gives us sort of his thesis statement for what he wants to think about, what he's going to talk about in these different forms of practice. So this is what he says in verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Do you see what Jesus is getting at? Is that he, he's warning us not against public displays of religious practice. Otherwise there would be no church service this morning. Jesus isn't warning us about praying or giving in public. What he's warning us about is that why do you do them? Do you do these things so that you will be seen by others and, and draw attention to yourself and gain the praise of man and gain their approval? That, that's what Jesus is warning, warning us against, of trying to be seen as holy and, and practicing our religion in front of others so that they would see us and praise us for what we are doing. That is what is called into question. And, and all of us, I think there's nobody in the room who's exempt from this condition, that, that, that we all make conscious and sometimes even unconscious decisions that, that allow people to see us so that we can gain their approval. 
Every one of us is guilty of this in some degree or another. Right? For, for some, this is a way of life. Of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to, sorry for you in the front. I'm going to sit in the front row of church so everybody can see me. It's not what you guys are doing, I hope. Um, but, but there's some, the, everything you do is so that people will see you and see how holy you are and, and give you praise and affirmation. Some of us, this is not an everyday occurrence, and it's subtle, and it's maybe not as common, but, but all of us have this deep-seated desire to be approved of by others, and one of the ways we seek that approval is by our religious performance. And so what Jesus warns, up, warns us of is that practice of public religion with the hope of gaining approval from those around us. That is what is at stake in that question today. And so in light of this warning, what I want to do is simply ask three questions. One, why do we do this? Why do we practice our religion for people to see? How do we do it? What are the ways that we do this? What are the ways in the 21st century that that we try to invite others in to see us and praise us? And then three, more importantly, how do we get freed from it? Those are our three questions today. Why do we do it? How do we do it? How are we freed from it? So why do we perform for the praise of man? I think to put it simply, uh, we do religious tasks in view of others to earn their praise. We do it because I think there's a deficiency in our understanding of the gospel. That, that, that we don't quite connect what has been done for us in Christ and, and what was left to be done in, in seeking the approval of man. So, so what that deficiency depends on and what it, what it looks like is different from person to person. But every one of us has a disconnect between what is already done for us and what we believe about what has been done for us. We, we think we still need approval from man, and so we seek it by performing for them. And again, the, the reason we have that deficiency is going to be different for, for everyone. And I think there's maybe two main reasons that there's that disconnect. The first is I think that we have a, a low sense of self-worth and self-identity. And so we, we need, we're desperate for validation from other people. We, we think, you know, if I can come to church and do all these things and people will see me and they'll, they'll praise me and they'll prove me, they'll pat me on the back, they'll tell me what a good Christian I am, then I'll feel confident, I'll feel secure because people are giving me praise. We have a low sense of self-worth and we think, I, I, I just need you to affirm me so that I will feel better about myself. I think I'm not actually a fraud at this Christian thing. I'm not actually a failure. So, so if I get asked to lead a small group or, or head up a key ministry or, or I'm asked to sign on as a deacon or as an elder, then I'll be something and then I'll know that I'm secure. I'll know that I'm valuable. For a lot of us, there, there's a driving and deep desire for people to provide our peace through their praise. 
And so we do everything we can to perform for them, to get them to, to say, wow, what a great Christian you are. Look at all the things you're doing. We need their approval. We have a low sense of who we are as Christians. I think the other way we can, we can seek praise from man uh, is, is a different deficiency where we have way too high of a view of ourselves. And we have way too high a sense of, of our value to the kingdom. We have way too high a sense of our need to, to be in people's lives. And so rather than needing people to praise us, to affirm us, and to validate us, and to make our lives complete, we think, without me, your life will be incomplete. And so we begin to impress ourselves into their lives and to show off for them. And so uh, if there's somebody in the church going through a rough spiritual patch, you think, I've got to be the one to do it. I've got to be the one to meet with them and get them through it because I can fix it. Or if somebody needs to teach a Sunday school, you think, man, my, my schedule is crazy right now, but, but let me clear it because I'm the guy for the job. I, I, let me go teach that because I'm the one that has to do it. We think so much of ourselves. And we believe that others' spiritual lives are dependent upon us. And so we make sure that we take on those public roles. We make sure that people are around us so that we can feed them. So that then they will praise us for being a mini-savior for them. Two very different roots. Very similar outward behavior. Low sense of worth, I need your praise. Please validate me. High sense of worth, you need me. Let, let, me, let me pray with you. So as we, we close this section, as we, as we think about the reasons for this performance-driven uh, sort of uh, anxiety that we have, Again, we all experience these deficiencies in one degree or another. Again, this is an everyday occurrence for all of us. And it is possible. I don't want us to hear that and think, well, then I just, I can't do anything publicly. Right? We already saw that it is possible and it is right and good to practice your faith in view of others. That's not what's in question. So, so the wrong application of this text would be for the music team to be like, can we come back out there? Is we, are we performing? That, that, that's not the right application. It would be a wrong application to assume that, that every sermon preached and every prayer prayed, somebody has a, a, a wrong motive. Don't, we can't judge and, and understand other people's hearts. Even the people that are closest to you, it is very difficult to know their true motives for what they're doing. So, so we don't want the application to be for us to then be thinking, what are they doing? What are they, why are they doing that? Th th that would be wrong. The right application is for us to search our own hearts. See, what are the ways that, that I am performing? Why am I doing this? And, and to fight that temptation in our own lives. It's the wrong application to begin to, to judge other people's motives that you just don't know to judge our own hearts, search ourselves, ask for clarity, to fight that sin. Second section, what are the ways 
that we do this. We, we read the passage earlier, and some of the examples aren't quite common today. Uh, so, so what are the ways that, that we begin to, to try to perform for others? And again, the list that, that I have is not exhaustive, um, and the list that Jesus gives isn't exhaustive. Uh, it talks about giving and praying and fasting. Uh, it's not an exhaustive list, but, it, but it's almost an all-encompassing list that, that deals with various aspects of the religious life. So what I want to do is look at these three examples that Jesus gives and ask, what are ways that we do this ourselves? So, so let us begin, verses 2 to 4. I'll read it again for us. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As with all of the examples that Jesus gives, he assumes that we're going to be doing them. Right? He isn't saying, don't do these things. He's saying, you will give. It's assumed that God's people are giving. Um, and here, uh, what was going on is you'd have these prominent members of society who, who were, were giving to the needy and giving to the synagogue uh, much kind of giving to the church today, and what they would do is you almost get this image of there's this parade down Main Street blowing trumpets, say, hear ye, hear ye, come and see that this, this charitable act I'm doing. I, I'm giving to these poor people. Come and see. That's what they're, they're blowing trumpets so the people will poke their head. What's going on down there? Oh, John is, is giving away all of this money to, to these orphans. He, he's giving it in the synagogues, so they're drawing attention to themselves. Why? So that others will see it and praise them. What a, what a great man. What a, what a great one. Look at what they're doing. You see, they want to be praised for their generosity. They're not really being generous. They're, they're buying people's approval. That's what they're doing. They're giving their money away so that people will praise them. They're not giving it away because they have a heart for the poor or for the church. They have a heart for themselves. They're being selfish and they're buying the praise of others. And while I doubt that there's been many trumpets blown in churches today, I think we still find ways to make giving all about us. Put a check in the offering and you know, maybe put it face up so that somebody might, might see as it goes by. Wow, praise, praise God. Or we, you know, let it slide into conversation. You know, hey, I, I calculate 11% before taxes. We, we, we work our giving into conversation. I su support this many missionaries. It's, it's kingdom work. Or fill out a pledge card to, to support some ministry of the church, some funding project or missionary. Never actually follow through on the pledge. Say, yeah, I, I want to be, be for that. Only when you're looking. And, and I, I won't quite get to it. 
We're beyond giving financially. We, we, we do good deeds for others. We, we give of our time and, and, and our energy and, and post it on Facebook for the world to see. Look, I'm, I'm going through these things. Again, not every Facebook post is, is the reason, but I'm saying there is a hint of, of wanting to perform for others to see so that they will approve of us and praise us. I don't know how many college students I've met that join a volunteer group because it looks good on a resume. You're doing these things so that people will see it, praise you. So, so even in, in subtle ways, our, our giving, of our, our money, our efforts, our energies, is for others to see, for others to praise us. And, and Jesus tells us that we are to avoid all of it. Let our giving be in secret. And he says, you should give in, in, in secret so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. And that isn't a, a comment saying your giving should be so scattered that not even you know where it's going. But, but he's saying you are so discreet in your giving and, and you make attempts to, to, to be careful not to put it in view of public that, that even your left hand wouldn't even know what your right hand is doing. It's a, it's a call to discretion and, and, and secrecy so, so that you're not portraying yourself and, and broadcasting yourself for the world to see. So is isn't saying you shouldn't know where you're going. Keep track of your giving. Have a budget so you know what you're tithing. Give to other ministries sacrificially. Keep, keep track of it. Know those things. That's not wrong. But he's saying that in as much as you can, your, your giving should be as, as, as confidential as you can make it, 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 that it's in your power to keep. A rule to aim for is, is to aim for as much confidential, confidentiality in your giving as is in your power to keep. That, that's what Jesus is calling us to. Not broadcast ourselves for the world to see. He gives us another warning about praying. Verse 5 and 6 is when you pray, must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, what the problem is in this verse, these verses, is about the prayers of the hypocrites. What's wrong with their praying? It's not their praying in public, right? Eric was up here a little bit ago, praying in public for all of us to hear. The problem isn't the public prayers. The problem is that they're praying in public so that they would be seen by others so that others would think that they're impressive, so that others would stand in awe of how holy they are. And it's a question of the motive, not the public prayers. Jesus prayed in public. So he's not condemning a practice that he does. What he's saying is you don't pray in the church and on the street corners and out in view of everyone so that they will see you. Right, the, 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 These hypocrites are going into these places because they know people will see them. And they want people to see them. They want people 
to praise them. And again, like giving, this can be done in degrees and in extremes or more subtly. Not many of us, again, probably go stand on street corners and shout your prayers at the top of your lungs. But I think we, we still want to be noticed. We still seek for people to see us. Maybe we volunteer to, to do the, the prayer at church so that people see us. Not, again, I'm not judging saying this is why everybody does it, but some of us, that's probably our heart, that we want to be seen. And Pastor Eric will talk about this next week, but Jesus warns against praying these long, elaborate prayers, thinking that the more theological terms you, you can put into it, the more impressive you'll be and the more you're going to be heard. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. It's not wrong to use theological words, but when we, we pray elaborate prayers so that we're heard to impress others, that prayer is useless. Or sometimes, if you only ever pray in public and never in private, might that suggest that there's something in your prayer life that, that wants to be seen? Or maybe we, we tell people, I'm going to pray for you. I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'll, I'll pray for you. Never do it. Again, we, we want them to see us. We want to seem like we're spiritual. And we, we don't do it. Our heart is not for that person. It's for being seen as holy. We, can, we do this subtly. We want others to think Wow, what a prayer life. How holy they must be. Really, we might be doing it for them to see us and not as a means of declaring dependency on God. Third, Jesus addresses fasting. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, Jesus assumes you will be fasting. It's a call to do these things. He tells us not to do it in a way that others will see. And this is probably the most obscure of the three examples that he gives for, for us today. This is not a common practice. And, and the, the imagery he uses is probably uh, a little bit confusing. Uh, but, but fasting is meant to be a spiritual discipline that expresses sorrow at our sin and the effects of it by going through a period of withholding something to declare that God is more valuable than the thing that we're missing, withholding. That, that, that's the, the purpose of fasting, is to express a sorrow over my sin, grievousness over my sin, the effects of sin in the world, a trial you're going through, and, and to, to give something valuable up, to say to God that you are more valuable and, and I'm depending on you to, to, to work in me, to, to rid me of the sin, to make this thing better because what I need is you. That, that, that's what fasting is meant to be about. And, and customarily, the way that the, the people at the time would do this, would fast, is they would declare their fasting by 
sitting in a pile of ashes wearing sackcloth, which is basically like a, a burlap bag, uh, dump ashes on their head and their, in their face to show the world that, that I am in this period of mourning and fasting for something that's happened. So Jesus tells them, don't do that. Don't, don't disfigure your face and, and, and look miserable. Actually, it says, take a shower. Paraphrase. Look your best. Dress up. Don't broadcast to the world what you are doing. It is not about them to see you and think, oh, how holy they are. And this isn't a call against corporate fasting. That's a good thing to, to join together with a church or with a small group or your family to fast for something. That, that's, that's right and good. Again, this is a call about public broadcasting of our religious practices so that people will see us. So, so, so what are ways that, that this applies to us today? I think one is, it's a call to fast, is when you fast. A lot of us, what is that? It's a call to maybe think about fasting as a discipline in the first place. And when you fast, uh, social media tends to be a thing where we broadcast that the most. Where we say, I'm fasting from social media and I'm be gone. Or I'm, I'm fasting from this. I'm, I'm, I'm giving up this. We love to share that with other people so that they can see, oh, look at that sacrifice you're making. Or when we're giving something up, we, again, we work it in the conversation. Oh, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten breakfast today. And we want people to, why not? Oh, I'm fasting. It, we're, we are making an attempt for people to see us so they know what we're going through. Or just we talk about how hard life is that I haven't played Xbox this week. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. All of these examples, from giving and praying to fasting, they all have the same thing in common, the same pattern, is that we want to be seen in our spiritual lives, and the list is endless. The ways we do this, the things we do it with is endless. So, so my challenge for you all today is, is on the way home, when you get back home, ask yourself, or ask your roommate, or ask your spouse, uh, what are the ways that I perform for others? What are ways that I'm seeking praise from man? Don't want to miss this opportunity to examine our hearts. Do, again, do not go home and be like, yeah, that, that Johnny, he, he needs to hear that sermon. No, this is not a sermon for somebody else to hear. This is a sermon for us to hear and ask, where am I performing that people will give me praise? There are few things that Jesus is more serious about than hypocritical people that are feigning spirituality so they can be accepted and praised by others. This is a sermon for us to hear. So why, why we do this, how we do it. Most importantly, how do we break free from the cycle of performing for the praise of others? How, how do we free ourselves from this? When we do see this in my life, and I desperately want people to praise me for the way that, that I'm giving. How do we put that to death? There's, there's really one answer. 
It's the one that Jesus has been weaving throughout this entire passage. If we perform for others because of a deficiency in our understanding of the gospel, then we stop performing for them by making up that deficiency with the truth of the gospel itself. And this is the truth set before us today. It says, you and I have a reward waiting for us that is entirely independent of anyone's perception or opinion or praise of us or our performance before them. You and I have a reward waiting for us that is entirely independent of anyone's perception or opinion or praise of us or our ability to perform for them. It's not up to us. It's not up to them. Your reward is entirely dependent on what Christ has already done for you and it stands before you ready to be taken, not by what you've done, but by what he has done. That is the way we put this to death. I don't need your approval. I don't need man's approval. I have everything that I have in Christ. And what Jesus is showing us is that in each of these examples, he puts forward two different possibilities for rewards. So either you can seek a reward in the praise of man, because if you do that, that's the only reward you get. That's it. You, you get a pat on the back. And it's a great irony, isn't it? These hypocrites are using worshipful behavior to gain praise from themselves, from people for whom it does not matter. Right? They're pretending to worship God, to get praise from people. But when you're standing before a holy God, and why do I need these people to praise me? It's like sucking up to the intern at work when the CEO wants to give you a promotion. Why on earth? It's an analogy, it falls short. But why on earth do you care what the intern thinks about you when the CEO is, hey, come here. I want to give you a promotion, right? They they are worshiping the God of the universe, worshiping him, so people will see it and praise them. That is reprehensible. What is so bad about it, what is so reprehensible about it is, is, is that we're looking for someone other than God for our reward. And even worse than that, is not only are we looking for someone other than God for reward, but we're stealing praise from God himself. Right, remember in chapter 5, the verse that we read earlier? Let, let's read that more carefully again. It says, Let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The, the purpose For our religious practices, the purpose for our sacrificial giving, the purpose of our praise, the purpose of our prayers, the purpose of our fasting, one of them, Jesus says, that others will see that, I give praise to you. Who are you? To give praise to God. But look what happens in in chapter 6, verse 2, when a trumpet sounds. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised 
by others. So God says, I'm going to steal my glory. I'm going to steal my praise and people to see you. Talk about how great you are. Go right ahead. That's all you're going to get. That's your reward for your acts of worship. That, that in, in performing for others, they would see us and praise us. Not only are we neglecting what we have in Christ, but we're stealing glory from God. And he will have none of it. That's your reward that you'll get for your acts of worship. So instead of that, Jesus tells us, but worship God in secret, out of the sight of men. Men that we're desperate for the approval of. And he says it's there that your father will see your acts of worship and that he'll give you the real reward. And the reward that he's talking about is the reward of participation in the kingdom. It is, it's God himself. You get God. You, you pursue him. You get him. Again, look back. The Sermon on the Mount, right? The series that we're going through. Go to the Beatitudes. As, as Jesus begins this sermon... Look at all the blessings that he promises his people. Because the kingdom is yours. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be satisfied. You will receive mercy. You will see God. You will become sons and daughters of God. You will receive the kingdom. Finally, in verse 11, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Not are all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. All of these blessings are yours in Christ. And they're dependent not on what you do. They're dependent not on what people think of you. They're solely dependent on what Jesus has already done for you. It is, it is complete. It is guaranteed. They are yours. So why would you trade one ounce of that for anything that anybody in this room has to offer? Everything for you in Christ stands ahead. You do not need the praise of man. You've already been accepted by God himself. So if you want to be freed from the trap of performing for people's praise, the you need to constantly remind yourselves of the reward that awaits you. The true reward, not from man, but from Christ. And if you're in Christ, it is already yours because he has guaranteed it by his death on the cross. We don't have full possession of it yet, but we have the promise and delivery is on its way. So the remedy the life of performance is simply knowing who you are. You are God's children. You are his, and, and he has an immense inheritance awaiting his children. This is the beauty of it all, is that when the gospel security sets in, you know, I am his, and he is mine, and you have an unshakable confidence of who you are in Christ, and that you know nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you eagerly await the day when all of those riches will be yours. Then you become the most free person in the world. 
When you know this and it's taken hold of you, you're free. You don't need the praise of man. All your giving, all your praying, all your fasting, all your Bible reading, all your service, all of your sacrifice, no longer have to prove yourselves to anyone. But those things get to be what they were intended for all along. Acts of worship to God alone, to the God of the universe, to declare to him and to the world just how valuable and worthy he is. So when you give, you you get to declare that, that God is more valuable than the money that I'm parting with. And when you pray, you get to declare that God is in control and I am a dependent creature on him alone. When you fast, you get to declare that he is more satisfying than the pleasures of food and drink. And you get to experience these things for what they were meant to be, acts of worship to God alone. So if you want the freedom to practice these rightly, you have to find the freedom and the security of the gospel that is yours in Christ. And then you'll be free not to do these things to be seen by others so that you might receive praise, but you'll be free to let your light shine before men so they would see your good works and likewise give glory to the Father. Let us pray. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room that you would search our hearts and show us our sin where we have stolen your glory and sought praise from man. I pray that all of our religious deeds, all of our acts of worship would be that worship to you, not seeking to gain approval from man. And so I ask that you would show all of us Christ once again, show all of us the reward and the riches that await us in heaven, that they are ours in him alone, that would free us to love you well and to love others well. Pray. Amen.